Again, I want to welcome everybody to midweek service tonight, brothers and sisters from Staten Island and from Brooklyn. I hope everybody's doing well. It's uh, it's always great in the middle of the week just to stop and be together and uh, look into the Bible together. Uh, I love it. Um, just being at church and being with us as a family. Welcome to church. Like it's just been announced, let's continue to pray for Women's Day, both in Brooklyn and in Staten Island, coming up next uh, next Sunday, March 12th, and actually all over New York. And so let's be praying. Um, some some ministries are having theirs this weekend. And um, like Mike just reminded us, next Sunday is Daylight Savings, and so we're going to lose one hour sleep. Uh, if you're like me, what I try to do the night before is go to bed an hour early. So I don't, I feel like I haven't lost anything. But it's going to be tremendous. Let's be praying. For, for God to bring a lot of women. And I'm also excited that on that day, uh, for the men via Zoom at 11 o'clock, um, Kayam Antoine is going to be preaching to all the brothers. And so Kayam, we're looking forward to hearing from you. It's going to be tremendous. We also sent out um, a Word document that contains a list of questions and discussion points that we can actually use from the book of Revelation. And so talk to your Bible talk leader and um, uh, hopefully you've received that already. If not, we'll make that available after church that uh, we're going to be able to discuss in our small groups and in our Bible talks as we go forward as far as the things that we learned from the book of Revelation. I thought God did an incredible job and he sent those questions today. So that's why we're forwarding them. Last Sunday in... Um, in Brooklyn, Phil Garrison from New Jersey came and preached for us. And he talked about the fact that Jesus is the greatest. That the greatest is not Michael Jordan or anybody else. That the fact that, you know what, human greatness fades over time. Worldly greatness always changes. But what Jesus did for you and I on the cross was true greatness. And that's where he kind of spring broke from. And I want to continue from where he left off um, tonight. For the sake of our brothers and sisters in Staten Island, he made three points. His first point was the greatest command, which is from Matthew 22, where Jesus says the greatest command is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. So this is the first and the greatest commandment. And so he asked us, even as he was preaching, saying, are we still putting God first in our lives? And that was his first point. The second point he made was for you and I to become the greatest followers. And in Luke 9, in verse 46, again, talks about how an argument arose amongst the disciples. And Jesus made the, Jesus made the point that whoever welcomes the little child in my name welcomes me. And he says, it is the one who is the least among you who is the greatest. And Phil was helping us to understand that, you know what? The greatest in the kingdom of God is for you and I to humble ourselves like little kids and to be great followers, okay? That is how God measures greatness in the kingdom. It is divine by being a follower who serves. 
And this is where our identity needs to come from. It doesn't need to come from success in life or anything we've accomplished. It needs to come from the fact that we're serving. And that is what true greatness is all about. And the final point he made was greatest action. Again, he used 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which is where love is defined. But he read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, beginning verse 11, which says, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. And now it goes on to say, you know what? The greatest of everything that remains, faith, hope, that the greatest is love. He then challenged us to love like God loves. He said, and he reminded us, you know, that love is patient, love is kind. He does not keep a record of wrongs. That the greatest of all these things is also love. And then I love this uh, mural that he ended with. I, I actually haven't seen it in Brooklyn yet, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad he used it. He says, spread the love. Spread love is the Brooklyn way, okay? And I want to add to that, spread love is the Staten Island way. Spread love is the New York way. And so tonight, I want to continue from where Phil Garrison left off on Sunday and make one point. Tonight, I want to talk about the greatest mission. The greatest mission. In Philippians chapter 2, beginning verse 5. Philippians chapter 2, beginning verse 5. Paul writes, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And so, brothers and sisters, tonight I want to talk to us about the greatest mission. And you and I taking a look at Jesus, because as far as I'm concerned, when I read my Bible, Jesus was the greatest missionary that ever was. And I'm going to use Philippians chapter 2, beginning verse 5, as my text. For you and I to accomplish the greatest mission, we need to do one thing. And that is get out of our comfort zone. We need to get out of our comfort zone. Again, going back to Philippians chapter 2 in verse 5. It says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Who being in very nature, God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by, com- by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. The first thing I want us to notice is how we need to go about God's mission. The attitude we all need to have is this right here, what Jesus did. 
Brothers and sisters, Jesus is our example. And this passage and many others talk about the attitude that he had that we also need to have. Jesus is the model we must imitate if you and I are to succeed in accomplishing the greatest mission. Again, notice, Jesus is the first missionary from heaven to earth. According to this passage and many others, Jesus is deity. He was and is God. He existed before time. And this passage tells us, yet he did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. You can also use this passage, as a matter of fact, to teach that Jesus is God. Jesus was equal with God. Jesus is equal with God. If you are equal with God, then you are God. But it tells us that he did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. He gave up all the trappings of heaven. He gave up all the majesty in heaven. And he took on human likeness. He humbled himself. And he came into this world in the nature of a servant. Brothers and sisters, I want you to imagine what heaven is like. I want you to imagine a place where that is perfection personified. Where God himself dwells. We read about it a little bit in the Revelation when God was teaching us. And Jesus gave up all those trappings, all that majesty, and he came into this messed up world. He humbled himself. He got out of his comfort zone. I don't know about you. I would not have wanted to come into this messed up world. But that's what Jesus did for you. That's what Jesus did for me. That's what God did for us. That is how much he loved us. That he said, you know what? I'm going to put aside all the trappings that I've enjoyed since the creation of the world. And I'm going to come in the form of a man, in the form of a human, and come down to earth to die for you and to die for me. Jesus was on a mission to save us. And that's why he came. In Colossians chapter 2, excuse me. Uh-oh. In Colossians chapter 2, in verse 9, it says, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Scripture teaches that God took on human form. Here's another verse. We're talking about the one who existed and created time itself. At some point, deity took on human flesh. Again, this is what makes Christianity different from any other religion. Jesus wasn't just a prophet. 
Jesus wasn't just the son of man. He was also the son of God. Jesus was and is totally equal with God. And he shared all the glory of heaven before he came down to earth. You know, every once in a while, you would wake up in your house or in your apartment and you go into the kitchen and all of a sudden you see this line of ants going in and out of somewhere. Now, praise God, we haven't seen any ants in our new apartment and I, I like to keep it that way. But you see, I've always wondered when I see those ants, hey, get out of my house. Get out of my kitchen. Obviously, I go grab a, a can of insecticide and spray it. And that usually kills all of them. But if you, were, if you were trying to communicate with those ants in your kitchen to get out of your kitchen, how would you do it? You can get a megaphone. You can get a loudspeaker. And say, hey, guys, get out of my house. Get out of my kitchen. They can't hear you. Now, if I'm to communicate with those ants, I'm going to have to take that nature. I need to become an ant. And then I can go down there and talk to them and say, you know what, guys, you guys need to get out of my kitchen. That's what Jesus did for us by coming into this world, by taking on human form. That's what he did. And then in John chapter 17, in verse 4, Jesus says, I have brought you glory on earth. By finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence. With the glory I had with you before the world began. This is an amazing statement. I remember many years ago in Corpus Christi. This verse changed my life. I still remember where I was. When I saw this passage, and I just stopped. Obviously, I'd read the Bible so many times. I'd studied the Gospel of John so many times. But somehow, that morning, this hit me very differently. When Jesus says, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you have given me to do. And I started to ask myself the question. When I get back to God, will I be able to say this? Will I be able to say to God, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And as I sat there and pondered on it, I said, you know what? When my time comes, when my day comes, when I stand before God and I'm given an account for my life, I want, like Jesus, to be able to say this to him. That Father... I brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. Brothers and sisters, you and I were created by God for a reason. I don't believe God created us to be Americans or from Trinidad or from Barbados or Jamaicans or whatever, or Nigeria, wherever it is you're from. I believe God put you and I on this earth so that we can glorify his name. Verse 4 changed my life. Obviously, I can't say verse 5 because I'm not God. Because he, he goes on to say, And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you 
before the world began. As I get older, I am very aware that each day that I experience on this earth is a day closer to my creator. And that's all death is. is a day closer for you and I to be able to be with God forever. And so I'm asking us tonight, when your time comes, will you be able to say verse 4 to God? Now, you know what, Lord, with all the resources you blessed me with, with the family you gave to me, with my kids, everything, Father, I, I used all of it to glorify your holy name. I used it to help people know you. I still pray this prayer. And like I said earlier, it has changed my life. And I know one day, my day is going to come. I don't know when. You don't know when yours is going to come either. But my prayer is that all of us, when our time comes, we'll be able to say to God, we brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave us to do. Brothers and sisters, although equal with God, the Bible tells us that he emptied himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Again, Jesus emptied himself of the glory of heaven and came into this world. I was 26 when I was asked to, call, to go into the full-time ministry in the, in the Boston Church of Christ. I still remember the night. I drove back to the apartment of the brothers where I was staying, and I was crying the whole way. Because at that point, I realized, you know what? I've been running from God. And I prayed as I was driving. I said, Lord, I am scared to death. Because the truth is, brothers and sisters, up to that time in my life, I depended on my talents. I can get stuff done. And I understood and realized that, you know what? Becoming a minister or the full-time ministry is all about depending on God. And it scared the living daylight out of me. Yes, I was a Christian. Yes, I loved God. Yes, I was making disciples. But full-time ministry was a totally different ballgame. And I begged God to give me the faith. I said, Father, if this is what you want me to do with the rest of my life, here I am. And here I am at the age of 60, still preaching God's word, still helping people know God. And that's what the full-time ministry is all about. Now, the truth, of the, matter, the truth of the matter is this. All of us are in full-time ministry. Every last one of us are disciples of Jesus Christ. Because remember, Jesus says we, you need to go make disciples. Okay? So we're all in the full-time ministry. It's just that a few of us get paid by the church to preach and to take care of God's people. Okay? But we're all in the full-time ministry. But see, again, for me, Making that decision when I was 26, it scared the living daylights out of me. Becoming a Christian for me meant giving up all my worldly ambitions. I came to this country to get educated and to make a lot of money and to become a multi, multi, multi-millionaire. That was my goal and I was going after it. And again, I realized, you know what? What good is it if I gain the whole world and forfeit my soul? Yes, I am not a multi-millionaire. 
but I got a roof over my head. I got a family that loves me. I got a family that loves God. I wouldn't trade this for being back in the world. And I'll talk about that some more on Sunday in my lesson. I wouldn't trade this. When I went to the full-time ministry, I honestly thought I would never own a house or a home on this side of eternity. And that was okay with me. And here I am at 60. These are our home. How did that happen? God made it happen. It's amazing to me that all the stuff we've given up for the Lord, he always multiplies it back to us. And so I had to leave the comforts of America. And I was asked to go back to Africa. Remember, like a, many of you know, when I came to this country back in 1980, I vowed never to return back to Africa. And I went back to Africa. And I remember the first night in Harare, Zimbabwe, I couldn't sleep. And I was lying there looking at the ceiling and saying to myself, what have I done? The same thing happened when we got to Kenya. I was like, what have I done? And so I'm sharing all this stuff because, you know, here I am at the age of 60. And you think, well, Richard's got it all figured out. That was not the way he started. But you see, God has brought me all these years. Now we're in New York and loving it. Now we're in Brooklyn and loving it. Remember, before Jesus came, he was limitless. Limitless God became a baby and came to earth. He left his comfort zone so that you and I may get a chance to be saved. Why did Jesus do that? He tells us in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, a passage we're very familiar with. He says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Jesus left the glory of heaven. Jesus left all that power he had back there. And came down here into this world. On this mission. So that you and I could get saved. In Matthew 20 verse 28 he says. Just as the son of man did not come to be served. But to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. He came on a rescue mission to earth. He came to give his life as a ransom for many. Again, he emptied himself. He left heaven. He left all that glory. He left all that majesty. And he died on a cross. Criminals were crucified. He wasn't a criminal. He hadn't done anything. He committed no crime. But on the cross, all my sins, all my lying and immorality, and all my dishonesty, and all my pride and arrogance and hatred, God placed it on him. That's what he died for. All your sins, God placed it on him on the cross. He gave his life to ransom you and I from hell. 
And then he did that. And he guess, guess, guess what, guys? Now you go do likewise. You go make disciples of all nations. You go lay down your life for others. You go serve others. You go seek and save the lost. He started by telling us, follow me. Imitate me. Now that I'm going back to heaven in Acts chapter 1, he says, now you go do what I did. Starting in Jerusalem. To all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's what it's all about. You and I, as Christians today, brothers and sisters, we are on the greatest mission. There is no other place I'd rather be than being in the kingdom of God on this mission. Which is to seek and to save the lost. You know, I will go back to Philippians 2. When Jesus did that, when Jesus emptied himself and came into this world in the form of a servant and died on the cross for us, God raised him up. And then he says, therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. I want you to, I want you to let that sink in. Because of what Jesus did, because of Jesus coming to this world and fulfilling his, God's mission, God exalted him to the highest place. The only person above Jesus is God the Father. He exalted him above every other name. Verse 10, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Brothers and sisters, Jesus fulfilled his mission. And as a result, God elevated him God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. Every knee will bow before God. You know, when you look around in our world today, we humans can be so arrogant. Whether they are celebrities or politicians or presidents or prime ministers, whatever. But this pastor tells me that every knee, all those guys, all those jokers are going to bow, including me, including you. We are all going to bow before God one day, before Jesus. Yes, they may not acknowledge him here now, but they will bow. And that's what the mission is all about, is for you and I to go talk to people about, you know what, one day, you are going to stand before God and give an account. You may say, I don't believe in God. One day you will confess that Jesus is Lord. And that's what being a missionary is all about. And brothers and sisters, we have Brooklyn. We have Staten Island. This is our mission field. It is not by accident that you and I are alive for such a time as this. Between, between the two boroughs, I mean, we're talking about 3.3 million people. That's a lot of people. And again, I'm going to say tonight, how are we going to win Brooklyn for Christ? How are we going to win Staten Island for Christ? One person at a time. Because you cannot mass produce Christianity. It's not possible. It's one by one. 
Again, we know the passage in Matthew 28, when Jesus says, go make disciples of all nations. He didn't go say, he didn't, he didn't say, he doesn't say go find disciples. He says, go make them. Go make them. And we make them one by one. And so even as we come out, quote unquote, of this COVID fog, we need to get back, brothers and sisters, to the greatest mission. COVID has slowed us down, but it's okay. But now we, 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 we need to get back out there. Again, when we got to Africa back in 1989, Daisy and Nietzsche were also on that mission team to Kenya. Because of the little mission teams that went out, some went to Zimbabwe, some went to Kenya, some went to Lagos, and some went to Abidjan. From those pillar churches, many churches were planted, disciples were made, and the word of God spread. Africa has over 200 million people. That's a lot of people also. Right now, from those few in number, we now have five regions in Africa, 109 churches in 38 countries, and over almost 14,000 disciples because people went on a mission. Because people gave up the comforts of America and France and many other, and England and many other places and went back to preach the gospel. Now, I'm not asking us to, hey, we're going over here. No, 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 no. I'm asking us that, you know what? Brooklyn and Staten Island, here is our mission field. We don't have to go to JFK. We don't have to go to LaGuardia or to go to Norwalk to get, we're already here. And so my question to us tonight is this. How many people are going to be in heaven? Because you and I were here during this time in history. That's the question I want you to ask. I'm thankful that you're my brother and sister in Christ. I'm thankful to be in God's church with you. Brothers and sisters, let's not forget, forget why God saved us. And that is to be able to save others and to spread the message. And I'm saying every last one of us, we can play a role in making disciples of all nations. You know, when my phone rang, whenever that was, I guess three years ago now, the thing that got me excited really about coming to New York when the Holy Spirit made it very clear was that, you know what? This is the largest city in this country. I was like, yes! Because all I see every day is men and people, men and women, excuse me, that need to know God. That's what I see. And it starts by you and I opening up our mouths. 
It starts by you and I just being friendly and smiling. But we're on a mission. You know, if I put this on right now, you know, you say, oh, you can tell what team I'm supporting by putting this on. It's the Giants, okay? If I change it and I put this on, oh, you say, oh, Richard, Richard, is, Richard is also a Brooklyn Nets fan. You can tell who I'm supporting when I put this on, okay? How about if I put this one on? Again, you can tell I'm supporting the Yankees when I put this cap on. I say all this to say, can people tell you're a Christian? Because there's no sign on our foreheads. You know, you know, it's all based on our actions and the way we live and the way we carry ourselves and the way we conduct ourselves. But we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And again, I hope this encourages you because a few disciples who got out of their comfort zone see what God has done since 1989. Almost 14,000 disciples. Here we are in New York, the largest city in this country. Brooklyn is still the largest the fourth largest city in America. If you take the population of Brooklyn out of New York, New York is still number one. Brooklyn is still the fourth largest city in America. And I say all that to say we have a lot of work to do. And so I'm very excited because later on this year, as a church, we're going to be celebrating 40 years of this church being here. Okay? 40 years. Mark it down on your calendars. Because many brothers and sisters got out of their comfort zone in 1983, 18 of them came here to plant this church that you and I are now a part of. If these guys hadn't sacrificed by moving here, this church would not exist. You wouldn't have the family you have right now. You wouldn't have the keys you have. You wouldn't have the job that you have. But 18 brothers and sisters back in 1983 came from different parts of America and they came to New York to plant this church that is now the New York City Church of Christ. And all I'm saying tonight is, brothers and sisters, it's time to start looking outward again and go about fulfilling God's mission. Those 18 people that came here we now have 11 regions of this church. And so I want you to save the date, September 24th, 10 o'clock in the morning. We're going to be meeting at the Lemon Center for the Performing Arts for our 40th anniversary service. I can't wait to get there. I'm going to get there early because I like sitting up front. And I understand there's parking. But mark the date. We're going to gather all over New York and New Jersey and celebrate 40 years. Many of our members have moved to other parts of America and are still faithful disciples. There are many people that were converted in this church that are now leading churches in other parts of America. That's exciting to me. 
But all I'm saying tonight is I want us to be thinking about our mission field right now and the greatest mission that God has given to us. And so let me give you some quick practicals. Here are some, some practicals. Number one, talk about Jesus as you go daily. The Bible says that you and I plant on water. It is God that makes it grow. This is what I like to call friendly, excuse me, friendship evangelism. Just talk to people as you go. All we need to do is to become servants. And bringing strangers and talking to strangers and bringing strangers into our homes. So that they can also become members of this family. Invite people into your home. Again, it's not the size of your home that matters. Invite people in. Invite yourself over. Have lunch with your co-workers. Don't just sit there and have lunch alone. Use the opportunity to talk about God. Pray daily for people that you meet. I was very excited. On Monday, I had invited um, the place I told you from the pulpit that had the best jerk chicken in, um, in, uh, in Brooklyn. They were closed for a week. They had gone on vacation. And so they came back. And the last time I was there, I had given the invite for the Women's Day to, to the husband. They owned the store. And so when I went on Monday, she was there. I said, hey, did your husband give you the invitation for the women's? He says, yeah. He says, I'm coming. And then she introduced me to her, to her aunt who was standing right there. And she was asking where the church is and everything. And uh, you know what the lady says? Oh, you and I, we're going together. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to them coming. But again, we need to be praying for people that we meet. Remember, it is God that opens up people's hearts. Satan tries to go in there and to snatch out as you and I put the word of God into people. And that's why it's important that we pray for people as we meet them, okay? It's also important that we follow up with people we meet. Follow up is key. There are many of us in here that became Christians. You know, people followed up with you four or five times before you finally came to the, your first service. We got to continue to do the same for other people. Don't give up on people. Invite people to church and to Bible talk. I love inviting people to church. I always have my cards in, in, in my pocket. I don't leave home without them. When I leave the house, there are three things I live with. My keys, my wallet, and my cards. I don't, I, don't, I don't go anywhere without them because I don't know who the Lord is going to lead me to. I don't know who the Spirit of God is going to lead me to. And then again, I've, I've shared it before and I'll say it again as I conclude tonight. I never ask people to study the Bible. Because for some people, when they hear that word, oh, study the Bible, is like, whoa, that's, that's something heavy. I just say, you know what? Let's get into the Bible. I want to show you some passages that changed my life. That's my life. And usually, people will say, you know what? Hey, I love to do that. I want to show you some passages that changed my life. And I go start with words then. And I'm thankful for our, for, for our study series. So that you and I, one-on-one, -on -one, we can help people know God. That's what it's all about. I got, a, I got a text message last week from a brother in Orlando. Remember how I shared when we came back from the conference in Orlando, a guy picked us up, you know, it was a taxi guy uh, from Lyft at 4 o'clock in the morning. He started, he's counting the cost as we speak. So pray for him. Pray for Alex. Okay? 
he's wrestling, but he's, he's counting the cost. You see, again, I share that because you don't know who God is going to lead you to. As he drove up to the airport that morning, I just started talking to him. And I gave him my contact. I said, you know, we have a great church here in Orlando. I'd love for you to check it out. And he did. And those brothers have gotten in there. And they've been studying the Bible since, since August with him. But pray for Alex. I can't, I can't wait to see the pictures that he's now my brother in Christ. But you see, brothers and sisters, we need to humble ourselves. We need to get back on the mission field. We must become servants like God has called us to. You know, I had my all-night prayer for this quarter by myself last Friday night. And uh, I started at midnight and I finished at 6.03 on two cups of coffee. God, God kept me up. I mean, it, it was awesome. I, I loved it. I spent the first hour just thanking God for who, for who he is and all the different prayers of mine that he's answered over the years. That was all I did the first hour. It, it was tremendous. And so, you know, I, I got some, 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 some hours sleep Saturday morning, and then we went to visit Nelly and Horacio. Um, we had promised them we we're going to come, and so we went. And so Sunday comes around, Phil does a tremendous job preaching, and I go home, and I just crash. I, I didn't wake up to 6 p.m. Sunday evening. And shortly after that, you know, I'm, I'm on the phone with Sam Powell. We're just talking. And I said, man, I am so tired. I said, uh, I came back from church and I just crashed. I said, uh, he said, you know, having an online prayer, will do that to you. I said, it wasn't like that. And you know what he said to me? He says, Jesus was 30 when he did that. He says, you are 60. You're an old man. I just started to laugh. But I say all that to say, he was so excited spending all those hours talking to the Almighty. Just me and him. I pray for us. You know, through the, uh, the, the, um, the, um, the, the, the index cards that I'd given out early in the month. He was excited. And I'm looking forward to what God is going to do in his church. When I say in his church, I'm talking Brooklyn, Staten Island, and the whole New York City church. Not just this year, but in the years to come and in the decades to come. If Jesus had not made the first missionary trip by coming down from heaven, none of us will be saved. He could not have saved us if he stayed where he was. He had to leave heaven and come on his mission so that you and I can be saved. Brothers and sisters, we're talking about the greatest mission. One day, you, are gonna, you and I are going to make it back to the throne of God. And he's going to look at you. He's going to look at me and say, well done, good and faithful servant. And we're going to turn around and say, Father, let me introduce you to all the people that I brought with me. It is going to be incredible. It is going to be glorious. You are not going to remember anything that happened on this earth. Because you and I will get a chance to live with God for eternity. After the prayer, we're going to go into our breakout rooms. And just have a great time of fellowship. At this time, I would like to ask our sister Evelyn Wynn, please unmute yourself and lead us in a closing prayer. God bless you all.